0: Welcome to The Bill Walton Show, featuring conversations with leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and thinkers. Fresh perspectives on money, culture, politics, and human flourishing. Interesting people, interesting things.
1: I'm joined today by Steve Moore, Senior Fellow at Heritage Foundation, and was a Senior Advisor to the Trump campaign, who's also uh, with CNN as a, as a uh, economic expert. And also Véronique de Rougier, who is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. She writes regular columns for Reason Magazine and blogs at National Review Online's The Corner. Véronique is one of those writers who I clip their articles of every week, and so uh-huh. thank you for your, uh, your wisdom. I'm delighted to have you both here. You. Steve, you and I worked together on the Trump campaign, you and, you and the campaign, me and the uh-huh. transition we're a year into the Trump presidency. I think trade is much on everybody's mind, with the uh, with the steel and aluminum tariffs uh, possibly looming. How do you think Trump's doing on trade? Where are we, and uh, where should we be
0: going? That's a that's a good question. I mean, I think first of all, I mean. Overall, you've got to give them an A on economics. I mean, maybe with, with the one area that's worrisome is, is uh, the trade agenda. So, But on, on, on taxes and regulation, on energy, and just be, being pro-business, I mean, Trump has been fabulous. But the one area that I do worry the most about, Bill, is this trade agenda. Now, Veronique is much more of an expert on this than I am, but I would say that um, I worry about NAFTA. Um, I think NAFTA is incredibly important um, for the entire North American continent. And um, I I do worry that if Canada doesn't start negotiating in good faith, that that Trump may just throw up his hands and and, uh, pull the U.S. out of NAFTA, which would be really bad for all three countries. Um, And then um, with respect to the the, uh, the aluminum and steel tariffs, I think those were profoundly stupid. I think they are... Self-defeating. Even if you're someone who is worried about something like the trade deficit, which I'm not, um, you don't you don't solve the the trade deficit problem. We we may paradoxically Bill, make our trade deficit worse, not better, because of these steel and aluminum imports. Because what's happened is already these um, these import tariffs have have made the price of steel and aluminum more expensive in the United States. Well, guess what? That's an input in just about every manufactured item we produce, and it makes cars technology manufactured goods that are made in the United States more expensive. So we may actually make our trade deficit worse, not better as a result. Well, of and and also workers.
1: it's not about jobs because if you think through what happened in 2002, the Bush slapped tariffs on the steel yep. industry yep. and it cost about 200,000 jobs because they're, yep. they're like, what is the number? 16 times more people employed in industries that consume steel than produce steel?
2: 5.4 million in <laughs> Uh, in uh, steel consuming industries, as opposed to 140,000 wow. workers in the steel industry. And you're right in 2002, the steel tariffs led within a year of having lost more workers in, in steel consuming industries than they were in the steel industry itself.
1: And that's soft. Well, the other thing that tr- that's troubling to me is we're we're playing such small ball with the with the tariffs on countries like uh, Hong Kong, v- Vins- Venezuela, Turkey, and Vietnam. I mean, what do we care about their steel imports? We're we're going after a lot of countries that that are not going to take it very well, and it's not going to make any difference to us.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, I think I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot. But I wanted to actually bring something to your attention for anyone who cares and uh, about the trade deficit. And I don't um, uh, like Steve. I, I don't. I think it's it's a, it's a worthless measure of, of anything. But um, but the, the the Trump administration has already done what is the most important thing to actually reduce the trade deficit. It's actually reform the corporate income tax. And, right. and by academics have shown that m- maybe up to 52% of the trade deficit, I think it's maybe a, a little high number, but nonetheless, it's, it's an impressive number. Um, 52% of the trade deficit is actually made of transfer pricing, which is due to what? To a hor- horrible previously horrible corporate income tax system.
1: Explain the transfer pricing.
2: Yeah, transfer pricing. So, you know, companies trying to avoid the U.S. tax system right. legally uh, through through transfer, transfer pricing schemes, which then add artificially to the trade deficit. So the president has already done the best thing he can do by actually reforming the corporate income tax rate that will have positive impact on the trade deficit. Do you th- Everything else is is the equivalent of shooting ourselves in the foot, and it could jeopardize his economic uh, uh, record.
1: Well, Steve, you worked on the campaign. Do you think this is in any way sort of throwing a bone to the base to say, here, I'm doing something on trade, and they're picking something that's not that important? Now, when he did it with solar panels and washing machines, I didn't think that was that Terrible, but with steel and aluminum, that's a whole bigger, bigger deal.
0: Well, look, I mean, Trump is someone who is a politician who is rare. He he actually does things that he said he would do. And look, I happen to think, look, I'm a free trade person, as you are and Veronique is, but I also think that um, his position on trade had a big impact on him winning the election. Now. I, don't, I just say, I think it's absolutely true that he took a very unconventional view on uh, trade um, that has not been a position of the Republican Party for a long time, but I guarantee you it was a popular position, Bill, in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Ohio, Iowa, those states that felt like they were losing factories and jobs to the Chinese and the Mexicans and so on um, because of, of a free trade. Now, I think um, that's wrong, but I think I mean, we just have to be we are not doing a good enough job as conservatives explaining to American people why trade is good, because the fact is that people went out and voted for Trump because he said he would stop these trade deals. Now, I think Veronique really said it very well. I mean, what we used to say to Trump is if you want to solve the trade problem and you want to produce more goods and services here in the United States for export, then, number one, as Veronique just said, fix the tax system. There's no question about it that, that was leading, uh, that was causing an export of jobs out of the United States. Number two, deregulate so American companies can be more competitive. And those two things Trump are doing, and they're going to have a much more positive impact on bringing factories and good-paying jobs back to the United States than any, than any uh, protectionist trade policy could. He signed,
1: he, he took us out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership almost immediately coming into office. What do you think the impact of that was or has there been?
0: I'll, I'll ask, ask for she's more of an expert on the, on the TPP.
2: Well, so, um, I and mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm a hardcore free trader to me. Uh, those multilateral trade argument, uh, agreements, you know, they're far from uh, being really uh, purely free trade.
1: M- multilateral <laughs> meaning they're like those; uh, are about the eleven countries PPP, in it, right?
2: They tend to to bring us towards more more free trade. Um, so there's pros and cons with TPP, but one of the things it would have definitely done is actually impose some rules about state ownerships, and it was for all of Asia, excluding uh, China. It would have, it would have brought uh, agreements about lowering tariffs, which is good for the U.S., and it's certainly good for, for, for the, con- the other countries involved. But it also would have actually set strong rules about state ownerships. Which is one of the problems that we have uh, with China, uh, or at uh, least that is felt in uh, the U.S. We have with China is like, you know, this competition is unfair uh, because because they subsidize so heavily their their companies. And, right? and China and
1: then, though China though agreed agreed to that. I mean, what, the, no,
2: about, no, no, no. fifty
1: percent of their countries are state owned.
2: This, this is the thing <laughs> I never quite understood about the position about TPP. Yeah. I guess no deal is ever ideal. Is it? Like, it was actually meant at, as a counter to China's superpower. It was basically empowering the other Asian country mm-hmm. to empower them. And then what it was going to be able to do is, when we set these rules, these strong rules that all these other countries agreed to, then China would be allowed to join only and only if they agree to these rules, right? So, so we basically claim that we have we have a problem with China, and and but we this deal which was meant again not perfect, but that this deal was, was actually meant to be a <laughs> to to China. Uh, we we got rid of it, and and now my my big problem is, I think, and uh, Americans have failed to recognize that the China problem would er, would exist even if China was a perfect free trade child. I mean, China, by its cheer size, it's, it's moving towards a more capitalist system. It's still low wages, would present a real competitive challenge. But On the free trade stuff, we cannot address the challenge of China and its behavior at the domestic level because all the measures that we will take at the domestic level are counterproductive. Sure, they'll prop up some industries in the short run, but they will have a net negative impact on our economy. So the only way we can go about trying to get – better rules, better behavior uh, on trade, is to do it at, at the international organization level. And it's China, not
1: perfect. China definitely has a mercantilist strategy. They, uh, they're they not curling up with David Ricardo's essay on the theory of comparative advantage. I mean, they they really believe that state-owned businesses are the way to go. And I know we all believe that engaging with China with, in trade would bring them back into the liberal democracy world but that hasn't happened the last five years their new leadership has really strengthened the the role of the communist party and the uh and the state uh state decisions about allocating capital so our 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 hopes of a rosy scenario of making uh china come into the world system well being more like know, bill. i don't think that's i don't think that's happened. I, look i i
0: go ahead no i mean
2: just very quickly, so okay. My understanding is yes, this was a theory. The the but when they joined the WTO in what was it 2001, um, uh, we weren't counting one thing. We weren't counting on is actually them not staying a purely communist regime, and joining the WTO has actually had that impact, which is just actually. It's it's far from perfect, and they still have a very very long way to go, but it's definitely more of a capitalist regime than it was back then, and and I think this is the true challenge, right? It's it's a true challenge for America, is that they they are actually not. They are more productive than they used to be, and they are given up. I mean, they've privatized a lot of things, and, and they still have a long way to go. But uh, I, I do think that well, this is what was underestimated. Well,
1: the, the thing that I'm – and, Steve, I'd love to, be able to weigh in on this. I, I I'm a free trader, but I make an exception – for China, I think China's a special case. Uh, they've been engaged in a strategy, an industrial strategy, for over four decades now, since you know, basically since Mao died and Ding took over. And they now have something called the Made in China 2025 strategy, which aims at self-sufficiency in almost all the uh, the industries that we want to be leaders in, semiconductors, computers, software, virtual reality, all that sort of thing. And the way they've gotten a lot of this technology is through forced uh, technology transfers from companies that are doing business in China. And unfortunately, the large multinationals don't seem to be... Uh, There's some people who view, well, they, 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 they want to get that income from the technology sales so they can boost their quarterly earnings, and they're really letting the devil take the hindmost with regard to uh, American interests.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, I... My own view on China is I don't think uh, Trump can be tough enough with China. In fact, I've been surprised he hasn't been tougher with China. Um, I'm a free trade person, but um, look, China is an adversary to the United States; they're not an ally. What's happened? I mean, look at the single, you know, biggest danger in the world right now, which is that North Korea has a nuclear weapon, and there's. Absolutely. It's incontrovertible that that happened because China wanted them to have that uh, weapon and facilitated and enabled it. And, you know, I would basically, if I were Trump, I'd just say, uh, you know, sort of like, you know, the Wizard of Oz, bring me the brum of the Wicked Witch and we could talk about trading. And I haven't (laughs) even... shut down you know shut down the nuclear program in in in, uh, in North Korea and then we can talk. if you want to be a member of the civilized world <laughs> and you know be a member of WTO these uh, TEO and these other things um you you know you can't be giving nuclear weapons to a madman who could blow up you know major cities in uh in all of asia so uh and and you're also right i mean they are not engaged in a free markets although i mean Uh, Veronique is absolutely right. I mean, they've moved an incredibly long way from the communism under Mao, where you know, Mao, you know, starved to death, a half a billion of his own people uh, to, you know, a, to a well-functioning. Well, you know, you know the what economy. they've done. They're far they, from they, capitalism. They, they've They're far let, from capitalism.
1: They've let the billionaire entrepreneurs join the Communist Party.
0: So let me just I make just I, one I, point. I, I think we ought to use trade as a leverage with China to yeah. force them yes. to do the things that we want them to do. and And I think we should do that for one reason. China needs the United States more than we need them. And this is actually part of the sort of interesting Trump trade doctrine. We should use our leverage in trade to force countries to do things that they ought to be doing that are in America's either means uh, making, you know, security makes, or economic interest.
1: Which means making a unilateral deal with China?
0: Uh, which means putting out terms that if they okay. want to trade with us, you're going to do ABC. And one of those things, by the way, is stop stealing our technologies. I mean, we are a, a country now that is producing goods and services that are, uh, you know, technology based. Where you know that what we do is we produce information and. You know, we spend billions and billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars developing these new technologies, drugs, vaccines, computer software, and the Chinese basically steal it. They don't, they don't honor our, our patents and our copyrights, and they steal the stuff. And there's another rare, rare area where I think Trump should be very hard-line with the uh, I'm
1: Chinese. I'm so with you on that. I, I want to get Veronique's point of view. I have one, just thing parenthetically, I have a little darker view of what's happening with North Korea I I think it may be a sort of a strategic head fake because what China really wants is the South, the South China sea. And they're looking, they're looking for hegemony in that whole area all the way out to Hawaii. And while we're forced to focus on North Korea, they're, uh, they're building these little instant islands that, uh, that, that increases their territory.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't, that is something I can't comment on because I'm totally like, ignorant and uh on this but i i agree with 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 you guys about the fact that there are areas where we need to be trapped uh tough on 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 china and that where president trump can be more and and i north korea seems to be one of those areas but even if we um accept if we accept all the bad behaviors of, of China and ignore the fact that we do some of that same stuff. We have a lot of industrial policies going on ourselves. Right. We do a lot of, there's a lot of cronyism in the name of more exports. Now, maybe yeah, it's... We,
1: we, we, we live of, in a glass house. We have the of, XM of, Bank. Of <laughs> right. the,
2: the question is, how do you get China to behave better right. without hurting our own economy and um and I I really think that so trade uh tariffs and and quotas and a lot of the things that actually sound extremely appealing to the president's advisor like Wilbur Ross and Lighthouser and Navarro and all these guys are just self-destruction for us. We need to go back to the negotiation table. I mean, maybe the good news he- here is that the president says he's a great negotiator. So use those skills and and get what we need. But the idea that we can we can tame China, that it won't gonna make any difference to their behavior, to actually impose things that will punish. American consumers is, is, I think, is, is a problem. And, and you can say, this, this is the difficulty, right? You can acknowledge on one hand, China's behavior, here, right? And on the other hand, say, I still think that what President Trump is doing is, is, is completely the wrong approach.
1: Well, I'm with you on that. I, I want to encourage Trump, uh, if I have a chance, I will, to forget <laughs> the small ball tactical stuff and trying to impose tariffs on everything everywhere with these little countries and instead make it a worldwide free trade zone except with China and deal with China as a unique creature and start negotiating all the things we need to negotiate with them. And I also would recommend that we get Europe involved in that with us because you know China's doing very interesting things like buying up the Port of Piraeus which is gonna be the largest port In Europe, after, uh, I think, Rotterdam or Hamburg, one of the German ports, and they've also got this north-south, or this this road system where they're buying up a lot of the infrastructure in Europe, and the the electrical grid in Europe, and Europe can't afford to do it themselves. The Chinese can, but strategically, they're getting worried in in Brussels.
2: But the... I mean, I don't disagree entirely with you, but the thing that I will uh, add is what we lose. Uh, what the the perspective we don't have is we assume that China does business in in China and in China only. Remember the solar panel uh, the solar panel uh, tariffs that just came out, right? The cases were brought, the challenge were brought, and the rec- the, the 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 demand. Um, the demand for for um for reparation of injuries mm-hmm. came from two Chinese companies who had subsidiaries in the United States. <laughs> so in a lot of ways, yeah, like Chinese companies in the United States are suffering from uh, from from a lot of that competition from from China. And so the idea that we can just put China in a box. I mean that idea it's, it's it's over already there are a lot of chinese companies that are here in the us employing american workers you know creating economic growth here and so we we have to be very careful that the perceived problem we have is actually a problem where we take under consideration the reality as opposed to this site this vision of that like china is right there and there's no linkage here and if we can build a wall
1: no that's where- for sure yeah they own they own hundreds if not i don't know how many hundreds or thousands of companies they own in the united states and you don't know it you got to dive into the the chain of ownership and you somebody was Telling me about this company that was a made in America company. Well, it may have been made in America, but it was owned by the Chinese, and they're, they're replicating that uh, uh, all over.
2: So my, my problem is like a lot of the a lot of the solutions that are proposed are proposed for a problem that miss you know has 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 a wrong kind of image of what the actual situation is i think it's a hard problem and, yeah. and and more importantly i think we need to be very very real honest and looking at like it's okay you want to protect the steel industry okay i get it but who are the unseen victim of that protection
1: almost like, everybody
2: downstream downstream yeah. uh, uh, industries steel consuming industries uh, consumers final consumers and and unfortunately uh, the International Trade Commission, when it's considering uh, you know uh, uh, anti-dumping law cases, they are not allowed to take under consideration these downstream industries at all
1: Steve we're, just, we're about we're, our time is about at an end can can I get a final word from you because uh, th- we could talk about this I think for forever. a couple of
0: days <laughs> maybe 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 forever. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks for doing this, Bill. It's been a a fun being, been with you and uh, Veronique. Um, Look, I think, uh, it goes back to what we started um, that, you know, the best way the United States can can increase our exports and increase jobs and wages and salaries here is to fix our own problems here at home, which Trump is doing. And I agree with Veronique that the most important thing that's happened in the American economy, in my opinion, in 25 years is this tax cut. It's gigantic. And it's it's you know, you couldn't come up with a stupider tax system. For, for, we for had which, way we, were for
1: which we have you in part to thank.
0: So. <laughs> well, we play a small part, but <laughs> so it was almost like what we were doing, you know, prior to January first of this year was imposing a massive tariff on our own goods and services. It was the dumbest thing yeah. i would ever seen. You couldn't come up with anything nice. stupider than that. And we have, uh, we have cut that tax almost in half, and, and that will lead to more jobs. And, uh, and that means we should be a free trade nation, but we should also, I think, be strategic in terms of which countries are our uh, friends and which countries are our, uh, our adversaries. And, and I think when it comes to two countries in particular, I think we need to be really tough on it. And those are China, and one country, the other one is Russia. And I, I yeah. think um, Trump has to get r- tougher with both those countries.
1: Steve, thank you. Veronique, thank you. Uh, thank let's you. continue uh, sometime in the not-too-distant future. As I mentioned, you can reach Veronique at, uh, at uh, which one of the reason uh, or the uh, which, which blog <laughs> uh, would you like to be reached at, Veronique?
2: Um, the corner at National Review. Okay. Corner
0: at National Review, Steve. Where can we reach you? Uh, just to reach me through Heritage, Heritage.org. Okay. Heritage. All right. Thanks, okay. Bill. Thanks, guys.
1: Bye. Really interesting.
0: Thanks for listening. Want more? Be sure to subscribe at com or on iTunes.
2: Amazon is hiring near you